no, no plunder on TV will ever get a job again. <laughs> Hello, welcome back to the 40-yard switch. Jasper Woodcock alongside Wilbur Kudelukes, and we're back after possibly the most dramatic, controversial, talked-about weekend of the Premier League to date so far this season. Yeah, this season, for yeah. sure. Yeah, um, yeah, a lot happened. Lots of, uh, lots of narrative to, narratives to discuss. Looking forward to it. Yeah. As am I. Um, also, obviously, the first one we have to talk about, without further ado, is a topic we have somehow managed to kind of avoid. It's a topic over our years uh, podcasting. <laughs> We've uh, talked about at length, but some have somehow either purposefully or not managed to avoid talking about it, as it is uh, somewhat of a dead horse to be to keep flogging. But... Here we are again. Yeah, we cannot not talk about it this weekend because the VAR is the most talked about subject in English football for the umpteenth time. Um, so the, we're going to talk about a few things, uh, a few instances that VAR missed because it was just a calamitous weekend for VAR uh, all around. There's probably some stuff that happened that we won't even talk about. But the three most notable things we will talk about involved in the Chelsea-Fulham game, the Nottingham Forest-Brentford game, and most, most notably, the one you've probably all seen if you follow the Premier League, which you probably do if you're listening to this, <laughs> uh, the phantom offside call, if we can call it that, uh, in the Liverpool-Tottenham game. So yes, uh, we'll be talking through it. Um, For anyone that doesn't know. <laughs> Talk us through it. <laughs> what did so, you say? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, Salah plays the ball in for uh, Luis Diaz, who's just not offside. The referee, the referee's assistant on the line, um, calls it offside. Um, after Luis Diaz scores, um, and then they draw the lines um, and seemingly show that he is onside, and then say check complete. And then because they thought it was onside, they thought the on-field decision was onside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is just ludicrous. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, there's there's been so much talk about it, um, and like the the kind of circumstances surrounding it. Um, obviously, the the PGMOL released a statement saying a significant human error was made about half an hour after the game. Yeah, which um, uh, interestingly, uh, like Sky Sports made and then deleted an Instagram post, but they've still got an article up detailing that it was the 14th time that PGMO have uh, apologized for a human error mistake in a VAR decision. Yeah. 14 times. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't have anything against this statement. Obviously, the Jurgen Klopp coming out after the game and saying like that, that that doesn't change anything. Like, who does that help sort of thing? But at the end of the day... Uh, it's probably it's probably like different decisions should have made been made before that but I think releasing a statement isn't the worst thing no and then the the other talking point around it because obviously it's a lapse in concentration well not obviously but seemingly it's a lapse in concentration that led to it and a breakdown in communication yeah 
Um, and there's off, there's been talk that the fourth official, the VAR, and the VAR's assistant were all um, officiating a match in the UAE. Um, I think like less than 24 hours before that as well. Oh, were they? Yeah, yeah. I actually haven't seen that narrative around it. Yeah, that's something that I just heard on well, I heard on the Athletic Football podcast in the aftermath of it as well. So yeah, they're potentially drawing some lines between the lapse in concentration and, and the fact that they were officiating a jet lag and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a fair point. Very fair point. And that yeah, and it's, and also it comes back to Simon Hooper. I'm not saying the the Lewis Diaz offside decision isn't really Simon Hooper's fault. It's more the VAR's fault. Yeah, yeah. But Simon Hooper was the referee uh, in the Man United Wolves game at the start of the season that when United did. Uh, uh, which was the last time PGMO uh, released, uh, released a statement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, look, there's been so many things that have been said, like some pundits saying ludicrous things like um, go back halfway through the game when you realize you've made a mistake and. Uh, Drop the ball and let Drop Liverpool the ball score. And let score. <laughs> I love that one. That's that's ridiculous. <laughs> but what I do think should have happened because it w- it wouldn't have been that long to realize for them to realize that the mistakes we made. It would have been a matter of seconds. You can then just stop the stop stop play and be like, no, sorry, we messed up. Goal. Yeah. And that's just it. Like like yeah. like no none of this drop the ball that Liverpool score thing. Just be like. Sorry, sorry, no, no, I know. Stop play again. Yeah, the Stockley Park era thing actually golf with Liverpool. Yeah, there's there's been the thing about um um fuck, what, what was I gonna say? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> there's been the, yeah the thing about whether when you restart play um then it's gone. Like, yeah, I, do, I just, do, do you agree with that? I like, think I think that's. But I think tying an old tradition to what is now the modern game with VAR, I think VAR coming in should yeah. should overrule that. But I think to be fair to the referees, they might be a victim of like with what you've just said, they might be a victim of that sort of scenario where it is moving a little bit because they do have to draw the line somewhere. Yeah, and that seems like a pretty normal place to draw the line when when play restarts, the decision is made. That's the decision. Sorry if you don't like it, but like that's that, fair. That, that sort of thing because because you've kind of got to have those things as a referee because yeah. otherwise you start getting like you know start moving around way too freely. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, and my issue is less with the like I don't ha- I don't really have a, a a dog in the fight of yeah, the yeah. argument of what well, you could you should stop the game again and be like no goal for Liverpool. That's even though I've just said that, it's more of a, just a suggestion that I would be, if that happened, I would be okay with it. My main issue, and this has been my issue for some time now, is you need an independent VAR, independent of the PGMOL, not another referee that's looking, especially after the Mike Dean interview that came out at the start of this this season, yeah. where he said, I didn't call the Romero pull on Mark Kukurea's hair because... I didn't want to put Anthony Taylor through any more stress on that day. Yeah, yeah. We can't have refs looking out for other refs. Mm. All the risk of that at all in this it needs to be independent panel, whether that's past players, whether that's anyone that has got a rule book and got the technology and they just go, 
Yeah. Like, hey, look, like they, they don't know the ref at all. Like, they just go, hey, mate, you need to check this. And it needs to be... Yeah. And also, the language needs to be... Like, what's this check? You just say check complete. It needs to be check complete offside, check complete onside. Yeah. Like, don't just say check complete. That is that is such a great... That is such a... <laughs> oversight yeah, massive yeah. oversight yeah yeah yeah. So, and this is what the type of thing that comes with when you just got referees in there mm. and it's just all in the same group it needs to be an independent group of people yeah that run the VAR and I, I think that's been in need of some in need for some time and finally I, I don't think we've talked about this yet but I think you and I can both agree the the like VAR for just red cards and penalties and stuff, that's always going to have an element of grey area. Mm. But VAR for offsides, with the technology that it was made available in the World Cup, should not be an issue anymore. Yeah, uh, exactly. The, the, the yeah. Premier League is the only league that doesn't use that technology in the ball, where it's just a clear screen, like the way they're using yeah, the World yeah. Cup. Yeah, it's ridiculous why it's not being like mm. why it's not being used. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. The, the 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 language thing definitely is is ludicrous. And yeah, I also heard Alan Shearer say on Match of the Day, you know, this is the one that we're kind of we've got comfortable with, and like you know, that's like, sorry, speaking in terms of the VAR calls on on, on offside, um, and yet they still make mistakes. With it. But I think it still does. It still just comes back to, I think what I've said on the. But like we've said on the past, the the pod before, is that yeah, uh, or at least I've said is is that while they've, you know, while you've got like a human who like operating the VAR, there's always going to be these these situations. But that's the thing with with the new technology for offside mm. that was used in the World Cup, it takes the human error element out of it. Right. Okay. Because it's literally just you see it. There's no chance of drawing the wrong line. There is no chance of anything. But then the VAR still has to alert, or do they? Or is it like goal line technology? I'm, I'm pretty sure it's it's like goal um, line. Yeah, true, yeah. true. Like I, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's it's some sort of technology that alerts that is saying like either ball like foot was onside or foot was offside. There's that that that's just it's definitive. Yeah, yeah. And it and it takes like no time at all either. It doesn't take all this time to draw a line and then look at the line. It is just slice down the middle where yeah. like, at the time the ball was kicked and if there's anything over the line it's off it's uh it's offside yeah 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 it's 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 such a ridiculous comedy of errors that it's kind of like um yeah it's 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 hard to really draw any kind of like lessons from it in a sense because it's so ridiculous mm. i think i think that's that is the thing about it and i think that the other reason why liverpool i mean that obviously have plenty of reasons to feel to, to feel bad and, and feel hard done by but it's it's one of those ones where i think we mentioned and said something about like you like you kind of win some you lose some you in the, previous weeks out, yeah. yeah yeah this one just feels like it's never going to be evened out because it's such yeah. a freak but then again, also, it happened in Wolves. Yeah. Then also, you, like, you hope it evens out, but then you see things that happen in certain moments in a season that end up defining a season. The Everton, the Rodri handball against Everton, yeah. that's given Liverpool potentially win the league. Mm. 
because that happened so close to the end of the season. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the the way Liverpool are looking and, and looked in this game with... Oh, they would have won 11, that game, 100%. 10 and 100%. 9 men, they, they looked great. Um, you know, they potentially could be in a position where they are pushing for the title um, with, with Man City faltering at the weekend as well, slightly. So, yeah, I, I think it probably will be one that, that does get looked back on um, yeah. in such a high-profile game, but, yeah. So then, yeah, the other two decisions that again i think it's it's just sort of like compounds on top of what was already so embarrassing but it's just sort of like how after that massive thing happens do then these other two just surely you think var's for the rest of the weekend are switched on scrutinizing everything Mm. and then you have the forest brentford incident where it's a stonewall penalty Vissa steals in when Matt Turner takes a loose touch the for the Forest goalkeeper, pokes the ball away. Turner's follow through on the kick, cleans up Vissa. Mm. It's just it's a penalty all day. And then you've got in the Fulham Chelsea game this morning, uh, Carlos Vinicius just, for lack of a better word, like whacks Thiago Silva in the back of the head on purpose. Yeah, um, almost like he was, you know, chasing down someone that stole his you know, wallet. Yeah. I, I think, yeah. So that second one, the one on Tiago Silva, I think, I mean, it, it's weird. Like, and, and the thing I would say for both of them is like going back to the purpose of the VAR is, is, is to kind of intervene when maybe the ref hasn't seen it or something. Um, but in both of those cases, you know, the ball's there. If the ref's not looking at what's happening in that situation, then I don't know what he's looking at. Yeah, but I think with the Visa, with the Visa one, he may have thought Matt Turner got the ball. Yeah. With the Carlos Vinicius one, yeah, I don't know what he's looking at. Yeah, exactly. So that, that's the only case I can make for the VAR in, in, in that situation is thinking that, you know, it's this is so central to the game that it, it's hard to think that the ref didn't see it properly. So therefore... But then even... You, I feel like that's the thing. It's like the, con- the VAR is the constant communication. It's like, hey... We're checking for X. Did you see X? And the ref can be like, no, I didn't see anything untoward. And they were like, oh, well, we can see a hit to the back of the head. Yeah. You might want to take a second look. That's yeah. the whole point of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then with the Visa one, he'd be like, oh, yeah, look like Mac T- uh, Visa closed Matt Turner down. And, was and you know... Uh, Matt Turner to- came in late, yeah, yeah. And Turner got the ball. Yeah. Uh, but like, and, you know, the uh, Forest defender cleared it. But then the VR can be like, well, actually, no, we can see that Vissa gets in there and pokes the ball free and then Turner cleans him up without collecting the ball. You might want to take another look at it. Yeah, and I think that one as well can come back to the other thing you said about um, Mike Dean's comments. Independent. Yeah. Yeah. Because VAR. because they can they can see maybe see that the ref might have seen all of it so they don't want to be like, oh, you might have made a mistake. And that's there, the mate. thing. Whether yeah. or not these refs are mates or not, they're all other referees, and they're like, "Oh yeah, look, that's he may have he might he might have just seen it. Give the ref the benefit benefit of the doubt. Where if it's it's an independent group of people that have no ties to the referees, yeah, they'll just be like, "Hey mate, you missed this. Have mm-hmm. another look." Yeah, and then yeah, and and then, yeah, I don't know, and also yeah, and then it boils down to like the 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 conversation needs to be have another look at this. And decide for yourself, not have another look at this because we think you made a mistake. Mm. 
It yeah. needs to be, have another look at this because we think you might have missed something. But if you look at this and you still think it's fine, then don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny you have to kind of balance your tone so much um, when there's kind of professional adults involved. Um, yeah. It's, it, it, it's, it's, it's definitely difficult it's just such a difficult thing to fix but i just don't officiating in football yeah i just i don't think it's got to the point where people are saying oh maybe we just scrap it all together because no i do think it's needed and like in a day and age where every where, where it's var and third umpire is so good in every other sport yeah it's clearly effective and works it just needs to be implemented properly yeah and how like there's independent reviews there's using the same offside technology that every other country uses uh, but it, there's still, you know, a mystery about how to implement it perfectly. But it has, there has to be a way to implement it more effectively than this. Yeah. yeah. And uh, now on to the next point. Hey? <laughs> but yeah, um, Liverpool can just take a lot of good. Yeah. I mean, apart from that painful thing, they can take a lot, very a lot of positives out of the game. Yeah. Sure. Although I do think both red cards were red cards. Um. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, Curtis Jones, he just goes in reckless. He can act like he's hard done by, but he's not. Yeah, it's the and same thing Jota, as, well, same thing as the Malagusta one last week. It's like, yes, you went for the ball and you rolled over the ball and that's unlucky, but it's it's reckless. Yeah, you, exactly. Like, they know that if you fly in... If you fly in like that and catch someone halfway up the leg with your studs, you're going to be sent off. Yeah, so and the, the first... fly in like that. The first Jota yellow card is unlucky because it's like the tiniest flick on the knee that gets him. But the fact of the matter is, you clipped him and it was a counter-attack. By letter of the law, like, that's a yellow card. No one's going to ever, like, no referee's going to see that and be like, yeah, look. Yeah. I know you didn't mean to trip him, but, you know, so I guess it's a yellow. It's yeah. like, no, that's not how, that's not how football's worked. It's not how football's ever worked. Yeah. And then to be so stupid when you're on a yellow card. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, but yes, Liverpool can hold yeah. their heads up high, and I do think Liverpool um, are... Uh, have showed that they can be really good. Um, so yeah, and hey, credit to Spurs, but they they got they they got lucky. They got very lucky to get away with that one there. Yeah, like nine. It's about the not, intent. It's yeah. about the intent. Nine 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 men. Uh, Liverpool robbed of a goal for the offside, and that still took a Matip own goal in the ninety sixth minute. <laughs> I do think that's something because we're not talking about uh, Tottenham later. I, I do think that's something that is brewing there. And I think we've touched on it. You know, they they kind of scraped by against Sheffield. They didn't look that good against uh, Liverpool and got the win against nine men. And even Ange Postecoglou commented on that, that they weren't like as much up to it as they had been previously. So I do think there's something brewing there with Tottenham. They're kind of overperforming. Like yeah. we talk about Chelsea underperforming. They're and kind of like way overperforming. Yeah, they, they credit to them for getting a two-all draw at Arsenal at the Emirates. But Arsenal were very poor that day and had two key injuries yeah happen in that game so but yeah I mean the other thing is like they're over performing where they are but yeah they to start the season like this after in, yeah after last they had last incredible. season yeah. yeah. alright yeah, so next uh, Villa 6 Brighton 1 um, we didn't see this coming no <laughs> I predicted uh, Brighton winning 3-1 you, you predicted Brighton winning 4-1 uh, I don't know. Uh, I think it's a, it's a story um, as old as the Europa League. <laughs> I reckon. Like, Deserby commented on it mid, like after the game as well that they look tired mentally. Uh, I reckon like it's the effect of... Well, 
I just I just feel like it's the effect of they've conceded chances, plenty of chances in games already this season, but they just came up to, to, on that particular day against a team that finally put them away. Yeah, true, true. I mean, they've con- they've conceded goals as as well this season, not, not quite as many as six, but there's been you know games where they have conceded lots of goals. Mm. I think that can that combined with. I mean, the only reason I said it is because Deserby like commented on it after the game as well that they did look tired because um, obviously I saw the extended highlights. So, yeah. Um, I'm like, I get they've had one Europa League game, but it's like seven games into the season. How tired can you really be? Mm. Like, I get, I get that, I get that answer if it was like December or after the new year, but you're seven games into a season. Yeah, surely, and there wasn't a major tournament over the over the summer. Mm-hmm. Surely you can't be that tired if you're professional footballers. Mm. What is, do, you, do you not think that or no? I think for a group of footballers who, like aside from Ansu Fadi, haven't really had any European football before, it could have an effect. Fair, I okay. reckon. I guess they did. They had the midweek cup game as well, but yeah, exactly. So it's been Thursday weekend, midweek cup game weekend. So yeah, yeah. What did, what did you make of it? Uh, well, yeah, like I already said, I think it was a case of a team just having to be clinic, having to be so clinical to the point where they overperformed their XG by almost three goals. Um, the XG difference between Brighton and Villa was not that it was was like maybe 0.5. It wasn't that it wasn't that drastic. Yeah, uh, Brighton just weren't that clinical, and Villa were lethal. Um, I also think Ollie Watkins finally arrived this season. I know he scored the season, that scored the game bef- the previous round against Chelsea, but he finally showed everyone that's the player that we saw yeah. fair bits of last season. Yeah, I, I, it was it, it was it, it didn't feel like a six-one game watching the watch watching the extended highlights. Yeah, yeah. It, it felt like Brighton had plen- plenty of chances, um, but yeah, just just one of those days. Uh, it's just weird. Like it's just what we love about the Premier League. Villa can lose. 5-1 to Newcastle on the opening day. Brighton can beat Newcastle 3-1 two weeks later. Yeah. Then, or three weeks later, and then Villa can beat Brighton 6-1 <laughs> yeah. a week, two weeks after that. So, I don't. I think I think they're both going to be very good, these two teams, just outside of getting rocked 5-1 in the opening weekend and looking pretty uninspiring in their 3-0 defeat to Liverpool. Villa have looked pretty good. Yeah. And then yeah, Brighton have looked pretty good for for large parts of the season, except for two games against teams that employ low blocks in West Ham and, and AEK Athens, and then uh, obviously on the weekend against Villa. Yeah. So it's an it's gonna be going to be interesting to see which team comes out better in the season. Every ball or does every ball? <laughs> yeah. Because right now, Villa are fifth and Brighton are sixth in the ladder, one mm. point separating them. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's definitely going to be a very hard. Like, I, I think, I think for Brighton, um, and maybe I'm just saying this because of the point I made a few weeks ago. But I feel that there's definitely some like warning signs there. Mm. Um, Do you, so because they've both got European football as well. Mm. Who would you back as finishing higher at the end of the season? I reckon. Um, I reckon Villa. I'm not sure why. Maybe just because I know more about like Emery's like um, like history 
um, like managerial history, but I feel like maybe he's just got a little bit more experience, one with the Premier League and like two just more generally. And um, I think maybe Villa just like, like maybe just a little bit more depth as well, slightly mm. more depth going forward. I just feel like Brighton are like a Matoma injury away from like, like, like potentially having a bit of struggles going forward, like that, you know, yeah, They've that, got that a might dig- be a bit of a, a hot, a, a hottish take, but I, I, I don't know. No, I, 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 I think feel- they'll both finish similar in a similar position in the table. I'm thinking they'll both be top eight. Whether they'll both be top six remains to be seen. Um, but they'll definitely both be top eight. I think the quality is there. The manager, but, the managerial experience is there. But who's going to finish? Who's going to finish better? Okay. <laughs> um. Right now, just because I feel like in the games outside of obviously the game on the weekend, just because of how I've seen them play against in games against big teams, I'm going to say Brighton. Because mm. Villa, before this game, kind of uninspiring against uh, Liverpool and Newcastle. But yeah, I think it'll be close, but I'll, I'll take Brighton mm. so far to finish slightly at the end. I'm gonna, be a, I'm a wager we'll have to yeah. see how that goes. <laughs> Next, uh, we've got uh, Man City losing two Wolves, and people, City fans, would have been hoping after two games uh, into Rodri's suspension that they could have been saying uh, no Rodri, no problem. But it uh, turns out no Rodri, some problems. <laughs> Big problem. A one nil loss to Newcastle in the EFL Cup midweek, followed up by a two one loss away at Wolves. Yeah, look, they, they they just don't have they just don't have the same presence in the middle of the park when he's not there. Mm. Like they tried, they're starting with uh, Kovacic and I can't even remember who N- uh, Nunez wasn't it? Yeah, Kovacic and Nunez, and they brought on Calvin Phillips, and they brought on Oscar Bob, who's an academy product, and it, none of it seemed to work. Um, Villa, uh, not Villa, Wolves broke through like their one at least one of their goals, if not both of them, were just breaking through the middle of the park. Yeah. Uh, and City just didn't have that in person to break up play as as effectively in the middle. And I just think Rodri is potentially becoming the most important name on that City team sheet. Yeah. You've got the, all those impressive defenders and your Haalands and your Alvarez's and all that and obviously Kevin De Bruyne when he's fit, but they were performing pretty well with Kevin De Bruyne out. And they've performed decently in games where Haaland hasn't done much this season. But as soon as Rodri leaves the team, it doesn't look so good. Yeah. I, like, I was thinking the exact same thing. It, it just shows the, the importance of Rodri. Um, like, he, he, he just brings something that, like, no one else in the team can really bring. I mean, I, I feel like it's, like, with, with most of the teams in the Premier League that we talk about, like, that sixth position is so key. Like, someone who can you know, do the classic six thing of um, breaking up play, but also like Rodri's presence of like, you know, receiving the ball on the half turn. And I think like some stupid stat about his ball retention, I heard on the athletic podcast of like over the past, like five seasons or something like that. It's like 94% like in pressure situations. Um, That could be very wrong, but I think it was something like that. Um, And yeah, I think, they drew attention to it in match of the day as well of like how many times Kovacic um, lost the ball. Mm. And I think, yeah, that that's, yeah, just points to the importance. Of and Rodri. it was also interesting the week before match of the match of the day, I think it was the game where he got sent off. 
yeah in the Nottingham Forest game they on match of the day they highlighted his ability to turn, receive the ball in the half turn but also his ability to just sort of like lose his marker and drop into space yeah and just his, his ability to just always be available to receive a pass always be always be ready to turn to flick a switch and turn defense into attack like that uh, and without him and without Gundogan and without Kevin De Bruyne yeah you've got options like Kovacic Mateus Nunes and Calvin Phillips as, as as much as I do rate all those players to a degree, it is a significant step down. Yeah, yeah. Because it's essentially City playing without their without every single member of their midfield for the majority of last season. Yeah. Do you think that like this spell out for Rodri and the fact that Calvin Phillips isn't starting when Rodri's out is like kind of spells the end a little bit for Calvin yeah. Phillips. Yeah, I, I I think pretty sure City offered him the chance to leave, I heard somewhere, maybe in the Athletic Podcast as yeah. well, offered him the chance to leave at some point in the off-season and he decided to know he wants to stay and fight for his place. Mm. That hasn't gone to plan. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think it's it, it's he's, it's he, he hasn't been able to adapt to the play style. I've, I, I, did, I thought it was a weird fit at the time. Like As, as much of a good defensive midfielder as he is, he's just not of that high possession, high volume possession ilk. He's yeah. a type of player that, you know, plays good tackles, has a good passing range, but is a, doesn't, is, a, is a player that isn't intricate like that. He hasn't got the first touch for it, hasn't got the spatial awareness for it. Yeah. And I, I think that's the thing. You mentioned, like, uh, Declan Rice you know, kind of not having that picking up the ball on the half turn and like picking up the ball with, with your back to play, uh, with, sorry, with your back to like the, 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 the midfielders. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's, it's something that he's kind of developing like in that Arsenal site, uh, like alongside some more established players. Like it doesn't even seem like Calvin Phillips is getting the opportunity to develop that. Yeah. Because that's, sorry, to bring up the Athletic Football Podcast again. Like that's something We're big that, fans. <laughs> yes, that, that's something that they brought up about how Rodri didn't even necessarily have that at the start, but he he, he kind of built it like like alongside more established players um, and coming up while Fernandinho was quite good. So it, it seems like, you know, if, if he's not going to play when Rodri's in there and he's not going to play when Rodri's not in there like he's just not going to get the chance to develop the parts of his game that he needs to get better to, and I, yeah, and I, to yeah. be that all round six I agree and I do think he can be a very effective uh, central defensive midfielder for a decent Premier League team and yeah. is definitely Premier League where he's just not like Manchester City's different level yeah, yeah. Uh, so I just don't think he's he's that but yeah look I don't know I get uh, the feeling you'd be good at somewhere like like even United I reckon United yeah, I think well, Casemiro, if Casemiro doesn't sort it out this season then maybe they look to him yeah it's somewhere someone like um uh aston villa as well probably would be good at uh someone like i can't even think right now someone like brentford he'd be good like yeah yeah those type of like everton. teams on the up yeah i mean he'd be good at, he probably not thinks, on the up <laughs> he probably, probably thinks he's a little bit too good for everton but yes um all right so yes We'll touch on one more thing to do with Man City later in our predictions, but yeah, not looking good if Rodri is to get injured or suspended again this season, but he's so far has shown to be pretty good signs for the Arsenal match. Yes, yes, that's what I was uh, alluding to, but uh, yes. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) All right, moving on, we've got, um, so speaking of Arsenal, uh, they beat 
Bournemouth 4-0 at the Vitality Stadium. Uh, and while Bournemouth have looked promising in certain in some in some or quite a few games so far this season, it they didn't look good against Arsenal. They got beat 3-0, a 4-0. And all of that sort of promise in recent weeks has now kind of fallen flat a bit and they're sitting uh, in the relegation zone now without a win. Yeah. And it's like, it does kind of make you think with Wolves performing quite quite well in a few games, having two wins already, one of them against Manchester City, and Wolves' manager is the manager that they sacked to bring in Andoni Areola, Gary O'Neill. Mm. And it's like, we did mention it at the start of the season, as like, you know, say what you want about the fact that we didn't really like we we don't really know much about Andoni Areola coming in apart from he's been successful in teams that came up from the second division of Spain to the um, La Liga, but we did sort of wonder if they'd put their faith in the wrong guy. Mm, yeah, and I mean it's too early to call, but it's kind of trending that way. Yeah, I think even based on like the last yeah, there, I think like the the uproar from like the media. Um, when Gary O'Neill got sacked by Bournemouth, like like speaks volumes about it. Like he did a ridiculous job coming in for Scott Parker last year and managing to um, help Bournemouth avoid relegation is like a crazy feat. And it definitely seems so far this year that you know Wolves are the better of those two sides, at, like at the moment. And but like, it's funny when Wolves got rid when Lopetegui walked, everyone said the same thing about Wolves that. They said about Bournemouth when Parker got sacked last year. This squad's not up to it. They'll be going down. I know I said that. Mm. And then in comes Gary Neal. And he might not play the most expansive, amazing football like you know Bournemouth fans want, uh, want uh, wanted from Iraola and said Iraola would bring. But he gets results. And I know I saw Bournemouth fans online, a few of them, when Iraola was announced and there was all this hullabaloo about... Gary O'Neill being sacked, being like, oh, yes, but like in the back end of our last season, our performances were shocking. We only just scraped by, you know, we were playing shit football. Iriola, you know, plays, like his, his, his record with his other teams is amazing. He, he plays good football. It's like, I think you guys had a little bit too much higher opinion of like the quality of your squad. Yeah, like yeah, exactly, Gary O'Neill yeah. may have struggled and you may have only just scraped through to a survival, but that's an achievement in itself. Yeah. And that the, the level of squad that Bournemouth has isn't that isn't a squad that can be playing beautiful football week in week out and getting results. Yeah, like yeah. that's just not the case. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I think Bournemouth needs a manager like Gary O'Neill, who's gonna just grind out results and keep you in the Premier League for another season to get you an, a little bit more money. Yeah. So that you can. So then that you play can, it. you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's a funny thing whereby like you know if Gary O'Neill is getting you results, so you think you've got the players to to play a more expansive uh, brand of football, um, and then you bring someone in, and then you realise that your players aren't up to it. Yeah, <laughs> and like it's it's a you know you don't have the facilities for that big man sort of thing. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it is that, yeah. and it's uh, and it's like like Bournemouth may click under Iraola eventually, and like. You know they they have. I'm not going to sit here and say they haven't played good stuff in some of their games against smaller teams, and they have. But that was a terrible performance against us. Terrible performance yeah. against us. And now, if they go to Everton, who 
and lose. And Everton are a team who have also played decent stuff at times, but again, haven't really got the results they'd hoped for this season. But if they go to Everton and lose, then it's like, what's the point of all these bloody, you yeah. know, nice football? Yeah, If exactly. you're just getting, like, I'm not, I'm not, and this is not to say that Sean Dyche plays bad football, but if you just, if Ariola's, you know, nice brand of football gets beaten by Sean Dyche's proven and tested Premier League methods. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah, I think, to, to be fair, I haven't seen heaps of Bournemouth this this, this season. Um, but yeah, what, what I saw in the Arsenal game, it, like it doesn't bode well. And I think, I think it's a story that we've seen in the Premier League a lot. It's if, if you, like if you want to play this like expansive brand of football, like at the very least you need, you need a plan B. Um, cause when, when you don't have that plan B to kind of like, like alter the approach when you're clearly, um, the inferior set of players, um, it's just going to go badly. And, yeah. and the manager's going to end up getting sacked. And I'm, prob- I'm pretty sure that's probably what's going to end up happening with Bournemouth. If things don't change, yeah. yeah. And, it's, and this is the thing. It's like, last thing I'll say on it before we move on, is Bournemouth fans can go on and on and on about how the style of football that Iraola played with these lower level, lower teams in the La Liga got results. Yeah. It's the it's a different league. Yeah. That, that for like... For, for lack of a better phrase, that shit don't fly in the Premier League. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> like it's like the La League is way more expansive, mm. uh, and you have and it's and it's a it's not way slow, but it, it's a slower league. You can do more because you've got more time on the ball. Yeah, like like I'm not saying that the quality of the players is 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 that drastically much better in the Premier League, but the speed and the intensity is is heightened in the Premier League, and like they like they found out very abruptly in the Arsenal game on the weekend yeah if yeah it can it can come life can come at you pretty fast what do you think about giving Kai Havertz the penalty I loved it it's a great decision great decision I mean like Odegaard and Saka both already scored one Um, so yeah why not like and you can see what it meant to him and hopefully it kicks him on to do like I, I wouldn't, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if he if if he starts tomorrow morning in the Champions League, he, he scores. Yeah, because it, it, I can, I know it's just a penalty, and like yeah, that's kind of like a gimme. But like, imagine if he had a missed that. Yeah, what yeah. it would have done. Yeah, so true. he he converted it with with a plum. Like looked pretty looked pretty convincing doing it, and it was having a decent game. I didn't watch the whole game, but it was having a decent game anyway. Mm. So yeah, look happy for it. Just shows you the level the team chemistry is on, how happy they all were for him. Speaking of team chemistry, <laughs> geez, my segue is not too bad tonight. Uh, Chelsea seem to have, I'm not going to say found their feet just yet because let's see if they can string more than, string two wins. Let's see if they can if they can string two wins together before we start saying they're back. But they, they finally got a win. Uh, after not scoring a goal for the entire month of September, they scored two in 81 seconds against Bournemouth. No, Bournemouth. Uh, Fulham uh, this morning. Uh, and like they look pretty good for it too. They hit the post as well. Um, drew, a, drew a good save out of Leno as well. So, yeah. Good on them, I suppose. Yeah. Can't say I'm happy that they, they finally did it. But, uh, you know, I, I, it, it did feel like it, it, it is bound to click at some point given their... XG performance in each game and mm. given their like expected points um, on the table. Yeah, I feel like that's the thing. Like that's 
it it felt like their other performances, but they scored. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, and didn't get scored against. So yeah, and and I feel like like exactly right. I feel like it it did have to click at some point, and you know the fact that Mudrick scored as well, like like kind of goes to show that like, you know potentially things are clicking because that was a one of the biggest stories around the the failure to convert. Yeah, big time, and it's yeah. He's twenty. He's twenty first game in the Premier League, and he's finally scored a goal. So good on him. And it's yeah. interesting that Havertz and him both scored on the same weekend. So True. now those jokes are gonna go away. Hopefully for those two. Uh, just quickly checking what their game is this weekend to see if they can. Are oh, they playing Burnley? So another interesting test, but another decent. They've had a fairly easy run of games. Yeah. To start the season, I'm not gonna lie. Outside of the Chelsea, outside of the Liverpool game to start the season, they've had a lot of games where they probably should should have been winning. Yeah, uh, yeah, and they haven't. So let's see if they can get two in a row and beat Burnley, and then after the international break, they have Arsenal. So that's and then be tricky. And then no, and then yeah. So after the international break, with the Arsenal game, starts a really long run of games where they have tough games, pretty much every week. True. So they need to win against Burnley because oh, if yeah. they don't, Shit. if they don't, the doubt will creep in that they can't. That there's there's no consistency or whatever, and then it's a gauntlet of games they have to play it's like eight games in a row that are really tough yeah yeah so just to go over it yeah Arsenal Brentford Tottenham Man City Newcastle Brighton uh, Man United Everton (laughs) is Everton at Goodison Uh, yes Everton will be cooking by then as well exactly right (laughs) (laughs) so yeah look like if they if if they go and win um against Burnley this week, then we can say that they're building in the right direction. But if if they then show the classic inconsistency that they've been showing in front of goal and get a draw worse, then it's just like more of the same old. You know, we said maybe they'll start to click after the Luton game when they won three 0 and then it was three shit results in a row after that. So. Mm. All right, uh, all right. So that's all. That's all. That's all that was in the that was that was the week that was yes uh in the premier league <laughs> i know that's that phrase is definitely supposed to make sense but it didn't make sense when i said it that makes it sense. was the week that was yeah yeah uh in the premier league uh and now we're going to quickly run through some very brief um champions league predictions these are just for our uh tally uh some of these games will have already happened by the time this episode comes out tomorrow but whatever, and then we'll finish with some Premier League predictions for the upcoming weekend. So, firstly, United, Manchester United versus Galatasaray. Manchester United obviously lost 4-3 against Bayern uh, in a game, in a fairly one-sided game. Uh, Galatasaray were 2-0 down against Copenhagen and came back to draw 2 all uh, in a pretty interesting game uh, in Turkey. True, there you go. So... Outside of Bayern, no team really looks that convincing in this group. No. Well, it has to be said, Galatasaray do have quite a decent team this year. They've got Icardi. They've got... Fred. Fred. They've got Wilfred Zaha. Oh, true. Um, amongst others. So, not to be taken lightly. Lucas Torreira. Lucas Torreira, there you go. Not to be taken lightly, uh, this Galatasaray team. Although it, it, it is at Old Trafford and outside of... Them, you know, losing the Palace on the weekend, it 
for the most part, is is generally been a ground they have a fair bit of success at. How do you see that one going? I don't know. I I think I think uh, United win it. Um, based on what? Far from convincing. Um, what is it based on? I don't know. I feel like they've been showing, like, even at the game at the weekend, like, they had their chances there. I just feel like there's pieces in there that should start coming together, like, you know, potentially, like, Hoyland kind of linking up with with the other attacking players. Like, Casemiro is too good to be so shit for for too long. Unless he is falling off. Yeah, yeah. true. That could be, but I just feel like that's not the case yet. I just feel like there should be some things starting to click um and like Galatasaray that they've got some pieces so they've got Icardi, Zaha, Torreira, Angelino's quite good. Davison Sanchez is at the back. Um yeah. I just think it'll click against a team that um just isn't quite as good as them. Like I think they should win this game on paper and I think that's why that they'll win. I I'm inclined to agree with that point. Not for the reasons you said, though, just for the reasons that I think Galatasaray are notoriously a team that does really well in like the feverish cauldron that is their home stadium, but is nowhere near the same beast away from that stadium. True. Uh, yeah. Or even just outside of Turkey. So for that reason alone, I think United will win just because it's at Old Trafford. And I don't, I think, you know that meme where it's like the really ripped Shiba Inu dog and then it's like the really small dog. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. It's like that. Galatasaray at home versus not at home. Yeah, true. So I think United will win because Galatasaray aren't very good at home. Ba- this, I only, and I only say this based on my knowledge of watching Galatasaray in the Champions League in over the years. Yeah. Just ter- they're, they're no good at home. <laughs> and no good away from home. Away from home, yeah. Yeah. But I do think when United go there, it's a different, it's a different ball game altogether. True, true. I'm going to say 3-1. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go two nil. I don't. I think United will will struggle to score, but we'll get a few, and Gattuso won't score. Yeah. Uh, Arsenal versus Lens. Uh, back uh, our first Champions League away game again in uh, quite some time, seven years. Uh, Lens, a team that did very well last season in the French league, isn't haven't started that well this season. Uh, also is the arch rivals of uh, Lille in France, which is a friend of the show Oscar's uh, team. So right, okay. uh, he's really hoping that we beat them. Nice. Um, local rival. I, I googled where the Lons was, and it's like stone's throw from Lille. Okay. Um, I, I mean, we should win this game. <laughs> yeah, we really should. We should be winning. We should be winning every game in our group. To be honest, with the quality of the squad that we have. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not just saying that to be cocky. Like that's just. How, like with how poorly Sevilla are doing this season, uh, and then obviously Longs and PSV are not quite as good. How do you see it playing out? And does Ramsdale start? <laughs> no, I don't think Ramsdale starts. Uh, I see it. We um, have yet. No. Yeah. I don't think we've conceded a goal away from home yet. I'm pretty sure. So far this season, one nil away win against Crystal Palace, four nil away win against Bournemouth, one nil away win against Everton, and the other four games have been at home. Let me have a let me have a quick look, and a one nil away win at Brentford in the cup. So yeah, we haven't we haven't conceded a goal away from home yet. 
So we're pretty resolute defensively at home uh, and away from home. Uh, and I think we've got, like, we'll probably play a fairly full-strength team. So I don't see any reason why we shouldn't win this game. I'm, I'd probably go for... But the Champions League is a different gravy, so maybe. I'll, I'll go... I'll go a conservative 2-1. Conservative 2-1. Um... Yeah, I'm going to say 1-0. One 1-0? Nil. One nil. I'm going to say it's 1-0. Classic. The game, yeah, they should win. So that they'll they'll make a, a bit of a meal of it, but still get a bit of luck. <laughs> All right. Uh, Newcastle, Newcastle PSG. Uh, another Huge very, very game. big challenge for Newcastle <laughs> in the group of death. I think they'll fare better in this game than they did against uh, Milan for two reasons. One, Milan were just playing... Milan, the way Milan play just disrupts how every team plays. Like yeah. it's just very scrappy. Uh, it's a, it's like a low block type of thing. It's hitting on the counter, and Newcastle just didn't really have an answer for it. Um, uh, so and also, so and PSG play play a lot higher up the pitch, which Newcastle will hopefully be able to exploit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but also, I just think they're in better form than they were when they went into the Milan game. True. Obviously, the eight nil win against Sheffield. The they won on the weekend, but I can't remember who against. Anyway, uh, two wins in the bounce um, and beating Man City in the cup midweek. So three wins in the bounce in all competitions. Fuck, who did Newcastle yeah, beat on the I weekend? I can't remember, but I'll, I'll look it up. Uh, they beat... Burnley. Burnley, there Burnley. you go. Uh, so yeah, I think... But I, I do still think PS2 will probably win, but I think they'll make a better fist of it. Yeah, I think the other reason is, you know... Champions League football back at St James's Park, and that place is um, rocking at the the worst, the best of times. I don't know. Um, at, all, at all the times, all the times, yeah. But especially this time. Uh, so, you, I'm going to pick a draw. Actually, Ooh. I'm going to pick a draw. One all. I'm going to go. I'm going to go two one to PSG. I think. Mbappe at the double. They'll make a good case of it, but yeah, I got I got some concerns about Mbappe against uh, that backline. As as good as Kieran Trippier is, I don't quite think he's handling Mbappe level good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, stuff. they'll make a good they'll make they'll make a good fist of it. I think it'll be a close to one. Uh, quickly, finally, I've got Man City versus Leipzig. Uh, I think this with Rodri back in the team, this is a is a win for Man City. Uh, they struggled a little bit early against uh, Red Star Belgrade, conceding the first goal. Um, but I don't, I just, I just don't see a scenario in which Leipzig win this, especially seeing as it's at Man's at the Etihad. Yeah. Uh, probably go three or four one. Yeah. To the to the citizens. Oh yeah, I'll just go three now. But um, the Leipzig defenders will be taking notes off Craig Dawson. Ballon Dawson. Uh, and finally, the other game, I think I feel like we'll, we'll be previewing uh, all of the games in the group of death every uh, match day, just because it's the group of death. Uh, Milan versus Dortmund. Uh, Milan, obviously, really good start to the season. Uh, second in the league, only on goal difference with Inter. Looks very good, but unlucky not to get a win against Newcastle in match day one. Dortmund, not the best start to the Bundesliga season, but still in fourth. Um, but yeah, Definitely not in as good a form as Milan, and um, but this is in this is at uh, 
Which one? I can't remember what their stadium's called, Dortmund. The, the Signal Iduna Park. Ah, that's the one, yes. Yeah, yeah. I just looked it up. Um, um, I can see this being a draw. I don't know why, but I can see it being a draw. I was actually going to say draw as yeah. well. Yeah. I think Milan will be better, but yeah, there's just kind of that that added kind of impetus at home for Dortmund So yeah. in the Champions League. So I will say 1-1. One, one. All right, uh, I'm gonna go. I can't. Uh, I'll two all. Two. I almost said nil, 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 nil again because after the Newcastle uh, Milan game, but no. All right, uh, moving on to Premier League predictions as we uh, get a little bit long in the tooth here, but we'll we'll surge, we'll, surge, we'll uh, soldier on. Uh, all right. Push through. Quite a few big games this week. We'll kick it off with the big bottom of the table six pointer: Everton versus Bournemouth. Uh, like we mentioned earlier in the podcast, Bournemouth in dire straits if they lose this one a bit because there'll be that's even more with Luton winning and with now Everton winning their second will be even more distance between them and the rest of the pack. Uh, but same thing for Everton if they lose this, Bournemouth go ahead of them. So this is you know it's it's round eight, but this is a relegation <laughs> yeah. battle. Yeah, one hundred percent. Um, it's dire straits if Bournemouth lose. It's also dire straits if Everton lose because that means we'll take no points from Bournemouth and Luton. Yep. Um, so with Luton at home. Yeah, just on the Everton game, I just I hate seeing goals conceded like that from set pieces. Yep. Like, it's just pathetic. Like, it's just not good enough. Yeah, both of them, yeah. So the corner, there's like three warning signs before it eventually goes in and then just like no one's backing their main striker from cut to Morris yeah, yeah. so what the fuck anyway through <laughs> um, no, your frustration I remember watching the match of the day and be like what's going on here because they also played alright apart from that anyway um, I yeah think... they, they out, outperformed Luton in XG outperformed them in possession outperformed them in shots outperformed them in shots on target yeah but yeah and bottle jobs <laughs> uh, I will go but for this one I think yeah I'm just going to back Everton um, I think it's at is it is it at Goodison yeah the other one was at Kenilworth Road I'm pretty sure yeah okay true no because it's weird because we just played at Goodison was it oh was that at Goodison yeah, I thought it was, was at Kenilworth Road I thought it was at Goodison oh. let, me have, let me have a quick look I've got it I've got it here yeah, no, was that Goodison? Oh, was that Goodison? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, is that Goodison again? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. I'll go... Yeah, so I'll go... 1-0. To Everton? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go... 2-1 to Everton. I think, yeah, I, I'd, I'd... I know they need a response after the Arsenal game, but uh, they're, they're very leaky at the back. They've conceded a goal in almost every game they've played this season, except for a 1-0 all draw they had. Yeah. So, I mean, so of Everton, but uh, I think Everton will also play better against a team that plays more expansive, like they did. I think Luton just kind of, for once, as they haven't been really doing that much so far this season, to kind of shut up shop against Everton. Yeah, true. and it worked. Uh, same thing with Wolves. Same thing with Fulham. Um, all this talk of how you know, uh, yes, they did it in the Arsenal game, Everton, but outside of that, Everton have actually tried to play pretty expansive expansive stuff and have created plenty of chances through doing that. Uh, and, yeah, against a team that 
uh, plays a lot more open like Bournemouth, I think they'll have some success. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Next, we've got Newcastle versus West Ham. Another big game. Both teams coming off the back of a European fixture. Uh, obviously, Newcastle is significantly tougher than West Ham's trip to uh, Freiburg. Um, or West Ham's hosting of Freiburg. I'm not entirely sure. Mm. But, yeah, uh, hard to pick. I feel like this one's a little bit harder to pick. Both teams in very good form at the moment. Yeah, London Stadium. Yeah. Because um, West Ham look very good in their uh, pretty convincing 2-0 victory over Sheffield. Uh, Newcastle look pretty good against Burnley. So, yeah. yeah. And I think as well, West Ham have kind of shown that kind of adaptability and, you know, like you mentioned before, about potentially being the first team to kind of punish Brighton with a low block and hitting on the counter this season, which is a potential weakness of theirs and could potentially be a weakness of, of Newcastle's as well. So, yeah. I'm, I'm actually going to go with an upset and go... West Ham. 2-1 to West Ham. I'm going to go a draw. I'm going to go a 2 all draw. Uh, I think this has a game where I think, for some reason, part of me thinks Newcastle are going to score first and then it's just kind of going to go back and forth a bit. Yeah. Newcastle, yeah. Anyway. That's how I see it. Next, uh, second biggest game of the weekend, but it would probably be the biggest game of the weekend in any other round. Uh, Brighton versus Liverpool at the Amex, I'm pretty sure. Very Liverpool tasty. coming off, um, obviously, that shock, uh, aggravating result against Tottenham. Brighton coming off uh, that shock, disappointing result against Villa. <laughs> uh, both in need of a win. And both also coming off the back of a, of a European fixture. Uh, Brighton going to Marseille and uh, Liverpool playing against Union Sanguiloise or some I think other they're team. gone Union Berlin, maybe? Oh, Union Berlin, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think. Maybe, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, uh, but, but back fact of the matter is they're both coming off Thursday night <laughs> European <laughs> games. Um, it is. I don't know. Also, have you seen that uh, TV video that's like JJ Bull going on about how Curtis Jones is like the most important member of the Liverpool team and like he like their points per game and win percentage and possession and everything is like way better when he's in the team versus when he isn't. I haven't. Like he's got a lot of good points, but I don't quite see the parallel. But I guess this game will prove if it's true or not because Curtis Jones won't be playing. Neither will Diogo Jota. Um, he is what Rodri is to City. Yeah. <laughs> So we might see Ryan Gravenberg. We might see Wataru Endo uh, next to McAllister and Shobazlai. Uh, Jota out, Gakpo Jota, out. Jota, oh yeah, and Gakpo out. So yeah. we, we we will definitely see a midfield uh, front three of Luis Nunes, Diaz. Luis Diaz and Darwin Nunes. Yeah. Uh, Mo Salah, Luis Diaz, Darwin Nunes. And then off the bench might have to be Ben Doak or Doak, the mm. youngster. So you're a bit bit thin for Liverpool with injuries and suspensions. But I still think Liverpool are going to win. Yeah, me too. Liverpool are very good this season. Mm. Very good this season. Yeah, and I think, you know, the fact that you can have kind of two players of such quality out from your your attacking kind of selection and still have Luis Diaz, Mohamed Salah and Darwin Nunez, who's looking a lot better this year, um, starting the game. Yeah, I think Liverpool will be too good. Yeah, 
Yeah. Also, I think Trent Alexander-Arnold is potentially fully back this game, which means the back four of Alexander-Arnold, Van Dijk, Canate, Matip, and Robertson is back, which is as almost as full strength, strength as it gets for Liverpool. Again, their midfield very good, um, and yeah. Uh, so I think I think I think it, like it'll be a good game, a close game, and a game with plenty of goals. But I think uh, Liverpool get the win in the end. I'm going to say two one, two one. I like two one. Okay, I'm going to go with two one yeah. too. Two one, just two one. Yeah, yep. to Liverpool. Yeah. All right, and finally, uh, last thing we'll talk talk about: Arsenal versus Man City at the Emirates. I'm pretty sure. Yes, it is at the Emirates. Uh, and uh, City without Rodri, Arsenal without Martinelli, potentially will have Thomas Partey back, uh, should still have Bukayo Saka as he was fit uh, to play against Bournemouth, uh, and barring any uh, changes from the Champions League game tomorrow morning, we'll be, yeah, we'll just be missing Martinelli. Very interesting. If, if they had Rodri in this game, I, w- I would say City would beat us. Uh, even though it's at home, but without Rodri, oh baby, yeah, oh baby, we might win this one. <laughs> <laughs> I think Arsenal will win. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go Arsenal winning. This is this Pu- is, purely on the Rodri thing. Yeah, this is this is the most this is the best chance we've had to beat them in such a long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and it'd be huge as yeah. well. It'd be huge, and I, I just I hope we show up. I really, I, if Party's fit enough, I would also love to see us. As as much as like I think Havertz and Vieira have done well this season, I'd love to see us with a Party Havertz Odegaard midfield. Yeah, yeah. I think that would just be really good. Would stop. Would help defend against them and their transitions. Would also just help boss that midfield from a height perspective. Um, yeah, especially yeah. with Zinchenko coming in as well. The one thing I do think about is like whether Mikel Arteta over-tinkers and Pep Guardiola's had some time to think about how you know you potentially fill the gap of Rodri. Yeah. I also do hope that Nketiah doesn't play. I think this game needs Jesus up the middle. I hope if Trossard was back on the bench against Bournemouth it was an new substitute with another week under his belt he should start this game. Saka on the right. Jesus out the middle. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna go a two-one win. I'm gonna change to a two-all draw. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> very interesting. Uh, all right, and that's all. Uh, I think that our initial VAR, VAR chat has drawn this one on quite a bit. <laughs> we haven't hit a, an hour in a while. No, we have not. But we have hit it this time. So if you're still listening, thank you so much for making it this far. We hope you've enjoyed what you've heard. If you have. Drop us down a little five-star rating on the Spotify. Drop us a follow on Instagram, 40yardtwitch.pod. Drop us a follow if you have it on Twitter or X, as it's now commonly known, 40yardtwitchpod, all one word, with 40 as a number. Uh, and yes, uh, I've been Jasper Woodcock. He's been Wilbur Kudelukes. And we'll see you guys next week for another dissection of all things fantastically football in England and around Europe. Bye-bye.